The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two this morning, Sunira Chaudhry is here, employment lawyer at Workley Law. From the Toronto Star, the Queen's Park Bureau Chief, Robert Benzie, and Richard Krause is host of the podcast, Last Call with Richard Krause. Okay, so let's start with, I don't know necessarily that it's a surprise, but we learned it minutes before we started the show this morning, according to a report in the Toronto Star, so I'll start with Robert Benzie. Uh, Olivia Chow has decided to allow the full amount of the police budget. That is somewhat of a climb down. I'm told, Robert Benzie, that it's been knives out and elbows up at City Hall all week. So maybe this is part of some sort of bargain. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, my colleagues David Ryder and Ben Spur have this story on our front page today, and it's uh, it's interesting news. I, I'm not I'm not totally surprised because I think, and John, you and I have talked about this privately. Uh, Olivia Chow is uh, a pragmatist. Uh, she's not an ideologue, despite what she may have ideologues around her and there may, may be ideologues at city council. But I don't think she's one of them. I think she looks at uh, the, the bigger picture and sees that for this extra twelve point six million dollars, uh, she can uh, it can buy her goodwill with a whole bunch of people because uh, there is concern about about crime in the city. I think uh, there are a lot of concerns about uh, homelessness. There are a lot of concerns about uh, about uh, car theft. You name it. There's a lot of things that are happening out there, and I think that uh, it's uh, it's probably smart for her to boost the police budget. Yeah, Richard Krause, she's very canny, and if we're going to give Doug Ford credit for changing his mind about things, maybe we should give Olivia Chow credit for doing the same. I agree 100%. I think she's making the right call here, too, because we hear that uh, crime rate is down. We hear that, uh, you know, the TTC is safe. We hear, you know, all the, the reports that are supposed to make us feel better when we're taking steps outside our house. But anecdotally, it doesn't seem to be real. You know, you and I, John, have both been assaulted on the subway <laughs> every day. There, there are news stories uh, about stabbings and shootings and that kind of thing and it just feels like something is really terribly wrong and the idea of holding money back from the police I think would would uh, really cause her a bunch of grief later on that she doesn't really need well a she doesn't need right now and B um, we need to uh, make sure that the police are funded just simply if for no other reason uh, to make the citizens of the city feel better and feel safe when they leave their homes yeah Sanera $12 million in a $1.3 billion budget is not that much money. So Olivia Chow is buying a lot of peace. She's buying a lot of peace, uh, for sure, John. And, and, and I've seen some comments, you know, since this story came out, pe people saying, if if I knew she was going to do this, I don't know that I would have voted for her. Of course, a lot of folks that did vote for Mayor Chow uh, didn't want to see funding go to police. But I think it, it does lean towards uh, an, an ideological sort of city or running of the city that Benzie was sort of pointing to. And I think uh, one thing that Mayor Chow is probably really paying attention to, you know, almost every Sunday, we have had widespread protests in this city. Uh, if you live anywhere close to downtown or you cross downtown uh, on a Sunday, you can see police are working overtime, overdrive. I mean, I think that uh, the police resources are, are probably pretty, are, they're being worn thin. So it makes absolute sense to me, given especially what's happening in our city at the moment, uh, funding is absolutely critical.
Uber drivers are planning on striking tomorrow, which means if you're going to some sort of a Valentine's event, I guess you'll have to cab it or hoof it. Uh, but Richard Krauss, the Uber drivers say they're not really making any money. It's nowhere near minimum wage. I think it's also worth noting there's kind of a stealth thing going on in these protests, which is that some of the spokespeople who are speaking on behalf of Lyft and Uber drivers are actually lobbyists for the taxi industry. But we can set that aside if we want to. What do you think? <laughs> I, I'm not sure about that. I, I, maybe it's true. It wouldn't surprise me one little bit. I mean, if you look at the way that the taxi industry has been decimated uh, in this city by the ride shares, um, I would see that they would have you know a real vested interest in getting out there and and trying to cause disruption in the in the ride share business. Uh, but I don't think that this uh, idea that your your Uber driver or your Lyft driver uh, isn't making that much money isn't making minimum wage is new. This is something that's been going on for a very long time. If you talk to the people that are driving Ubers while you're taking them, um, they say, yeah, I'm working uh, 12 or 15 hour shifts just to try and make, you know, a- enough money to make this worth it. But this is, you know, this is one of the ways that I, I make a living. I've got a another job or a part-time job or a, a side hustle somewhere. And then Uber uh, adds on to that. And on the weekends, they'll drive, you know, incredible hours. And you can make hundreds of dollars, but whether or not it is uh, minimum wage or not is is apparently you know it's not. Apparently, it's not true. So I, I you know I, I wish they weren't doing this on Valentine's Day because I think that you know a it's hurting the drivers that could potentially make a fortune uh, on Valentine's Day because there'll be surge pricing uh, in effect. Um, but I, I wish they also uh, were making some real money. But this is an issue that goes back to the days when tax drivers weren't making minimum wage either. It's a it's a rough business. And Sunera, I'm not to throw everything back uh, on Richard here, but I've always been a little annoyed at the uh, talking point that, well, it's not supposed to be a way to make a living. It's just a bonus. Well, still, if it's just a bonus, it's work. So you got to pay for it. Oh, absolutely. And Uber's been uh, in litigation and Uber uh, ride sharing services have been in litigation over that very issue um, across the globe. So uh, I agree with Richard that this isn't a new issue. But I think uh, we, we've got to remember here that Monty McNaughton, when he was labor minister, uh, in, introduced legislation back in 2022, where the tagline then was was that the, the government was hearing that uh, drivers were making five bucks an hour. And that was two years ago. And we've had legislation enacted, the Digital Platform Workers' Right Act, which is supposed to ensure that drivers are making minimum wage. And so it's a real question about the enforcement level that the Ministry of Labor has lacked, has absolutely just not engaged in to make sure that this isn't a running problem, especially when this was a huge feather in the cap of um, the conservative government two years ago, but clearly they haven't enforced it. Okay, I want to hop to some other topics because the clock's a ticking. And uh, Robert Benzie, let me ask you about the Auditor General's report on the Arrive Can app. And uh, this is yet another landmine mine for the Liberals. It's just a mess. It's a total mess, John. And and it, it's kind of a confluence of the worst of possible scenarios because 
uh, government and any IT project at the best of times is problematic, whether it's uh, e-health here in Ontario or the Phoenix uh, 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 pay thing in Ottawa. When governments and IT get involved together, bad things happen. Now, you put this against the backdrop of a pandemic when uh, governments are throwing money out the door to solve problems and stuff like this is going to happen. And it sounds to me like... There, it, this is either incompetence or criminality. So either either outcome is not good for the government. Now, I'm not saying that that, that anyone in the liberal government uh, did something illegal, but it sounds like there may be some bureaucrats who are uh, currently suspended uh, who may uh, may have some legal problems ahead of them. So this is uh, this is a, a a big problem. And I don't think I've ever seen an auditor say that they couldn't even fathom what the actual price tag was it's just because there wasn't enough bookkeeping done that's that's unbelievable richard krauss it's an awful lot of money for an app almost nobody uses anymore and i get it we needed it in an emergency but it's still i i always remember scott reed saying we should just get a bunch of kids at waterloo with a box of red bull and they could do it in an hour (laughs) and he's probably not wrong that's the thing about this how does this thing uh, end up costing 59.5 million dollars it you know half a million dollars at that price point i would have said a half a million dollars for an app that's crazy but 59.5 i i agree uh with robert when he says it's either gross incompetence or there is some sort of criminality involved somewhere along the line and that the bookkeeping is so shoddy that they can't even figure out exactly how much this thing cost is a real black eye to the liberal liberal government another big story this morning and somewhat of a surprise doug ford backing down on bill 124 he will not take it to appeal there are labor implications so let's go to the labor lawyer sunira chaudhry this was a law that imposed a settlement one percent one percent and one percent on public workers it was overruled in the lower court and that was upheld yesterday and doug ford said fine we're done yeah, it, this is a huge, I think, blow for for the Ford government in particular because, you know, this was Ford government saying we're going to save the economy. We're imposing wage restraint. We can't, it, you know, salary increases can't be unchecked. And there, that was a popular idea. But when it comes to collective bargaining, John, uh, where you have nurses leaving, for example, a healthcare system to go to the private sector so they're not impacted by Bill 124. I mean, there were serious ramifications of imposing these wage restraints on union activity. So unions are, are living to see a, a strong another day here because collective bargaining is not going to be stifled the way the Ford government was was hoping it would be. Okay. And Robert Benzie, you reported on this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge setback for the government, but I think I was actually surprised last night, John, when they said they weren't going to appeal because I thought they had a shot of winning it at the Supreme Court um, because other legislation, provincial legislation has a sim- that's similar to this has been successful at the high court. But I think the government looked around and saw that the context has changed a lot since 2019 when this bill uh, was was passed because the government, re- uh, uh, government revenues are way up, inflation is way up, and we had a pandemic in, in between. So that saw that, that was it was very embarrassing to the government that nurses, for example, were capped at 1% uh, in annual increases when they were doing uh, yeoman's work throughout the pandemic. And, and in fact, Ford actually gave them $5,000 bonuses and some other retention things in order to kind of offset what happened with 124. But I think the government just decided to cut its losses. Government revenues are high because inflation is up. So they, they, they do have a lot more tax money uh, at their disposal. So they're not too worried about the, 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 the back pay that, that a lot of uh, unionized workers are going to be getting because they think they can afford it. Thank you all. Good to chat. Sunira.
Sarah Chaudhary, Robert Benzie, Richard Krauss. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.